Well, today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare again. We've got this morning and next morning, uh, next Sunday morning uh, in this series. Spiritual warfare, it's the warfare between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And every person on this earth is either a citizen of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan. There's nobody in the neutral middle. You're either one or the other. Every believer is part of the kingdom of God. And so every person on the planet is involved in this warfare, either on one side or the other. But even if we as believers are in the kingdom of God, did you know that we can actually aid the enemy? Now, in the natural world, if you aid the enemy's cause, it's treason. But everything that you and I do, everything that you and I say, either aids the kingdom of God or it aids the kingdom of darkness. There's no neutral ground. We're either advancing God's kingdom or advancing Satan's kingdom. And so as believers, we must be careful that everything we do should be for the glory of God. Everything that we do should advance God's kingdom. Now, today we're going to be talking about surviving Satan's attacks. You know, war is brutal. And if we're involved in spiritual warfare, we're at war with, as believers, we're at war with the kingdom of Satan, uh, with Satan himself and his troops under him. In fact, when we are engaged in spiritual warfare, we will be the target of Satan's attacks. In fact, the more that God is using you, the more Satan will attack you. Let's look at the first verse today, and I'd encourage you to take out a white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the verses and outline written out on it. I encourage you to take that out. On the back are study questions that you can do on your own, or some of the life groups uh, will be studying that this week as well. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now oftentimes we may think, well, the devil is dangerous, but I'm a believer. He really can't touch me. I'm going to just walk around in the blessing of God and nothing negative is ever going to come into my life. Well, that's wishful thinking. You know, what happens when bad things happen to good people? People who seem to be walking with God, doing all the right things, and then some calamity strikes them. Something bad happens to them. You know, we always think, don't we? Well, perhaps they weren't what they seemed to be. Now, perhaps there was something in their life that we didn't know about. That could be true. It could be. But what if they were really good, righteous people? Can bad things happen to truly good people? Can bad things happen to people who are walking with God? Now, when we look closely at this passage, at the very end, it appears that it's saying that believers undergo suffering. It says the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. In fact, the whole letter of 1 Peter was written to suffering believers who were undergoing very difficult persecution at the time. Let's look at 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised 
at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And so these verses tell us that God allows fiery ordeals, or did in that time and does today, to come into believers' lives in order to test them. And this suffering is the same kind of suffering that Christ endured. Did Jesus Christ suffer? Did he undergo attacks of the enemy? Did he ever sin? Did he ever do anything wrong? No. So Satan can attack those who are righteous, who are walking with God. And so we ought to rejoice in suffering for him because we're walking in the shoes of the man that we follow, Jesus Christ. So how can we survive Satan's attacks? What, what does it mean to survive? Well, to pass the test of Satan's attacks, we must stand firm in our faith. Our feet must stay planted on the rock of Jesus Christ. We must not doubt. We must believe that God is in control and that when our lives are full of blessing, he's in control. When our lives have some suffering as well, God is still in control. Today, we're going to take a look at the book of Job to see how to survive Satan's attacks. The first principle is to fear God and avoid evil in our lives. Our story begins in Job chapter 1, verse 1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. So our story begins with this man named Job living in the Middle East. We don't know exactly when, but probably in the time of the patriarchs of Abraham and those people. The Bible states that Job was a believer. It states that he lived a righteous life. He feared God. He stayed away from evil. His character was blameless. Now, this doesn't mean that Job was perfect, that he never sinned, but the Bible is making it clear that God had a very high assessment of Job's character. When he did something wrong, he asked God to forgive him. He offered up a sacrifice, as they did at that time. And so this first verse is very important as we begin the book of Job, because it, it proves that the attacks we're going to see as we go on through chapter 1 and into the book of Job, that these attacks, this suffering, was not a result of any sin or any wrongdoing on Job's part. Verse 2 and 3 tell us more about this man Job. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. And so Job, as a righteous man, was enjoying the blessing of God. He did the right things. He followed God. He stayed away from evil, and God's blessing was upon every aspect of his life. He had a wonderful family. He had many possessions, many servants. He was honored, respected throughout the whole region as a good man, as a great man as a man who loved God. And when you follow God's way, when you live a righteous life, God does bring blessing into your life. That's the general principle. But as we'll see, sometimes God allows Satan to attack even the righteous. Now, there are some false teachers in the church today that teach Christians should just live in blessing. And anything bad that happens is a result of some sin. It's a result of some 
some deviance from God's way in your life. And as the story of Job doesn't support this teaching, they assert that Job must have sinned. That's the only reason that suffering came into his life. But these first verses in Job give us clearly the background that God intended for the whole story. They give us God's assessment of Job as a man who was blameless and upright. And they clearly show that what happened to Job was not a result of any wrongdoing on Job's part. In fact, Job's uprightness, we're going to see, gave God confidence that Job would pass the test, the test of Satan's attack upon him. Now, of course, many people, including believers, sometimes face suffering as a consequence of our own sin, as a consequence of our own uh, unrighteous or foolish decisions. If you speed and a policeman pulls you over and gives you a ticket, you're not suffering for Jesus, okay? Pray for me, I'm suffering for Jesus. I got a ticket for speeding. No, you're just suffering because of your own wrong actions. You're suffering because those are the consequences that happen when you do wrong things. And you could extend that example to many other things. There's no value in suffering for your own sin or for your own foolish decisions. The only reason God, well, one of the reasons God allows you to suffer, to get that ticket, is so you can repent. And say, I'm never going to do that again. So there is some value uh, when you suffer for doing something wrong, but not certainly directly to God. So our goal should be to fear God and to shun evil as Job did. And the Bible next gives us some incredible insight into the spiritual warfare that surrounds each of us, the warfare that surrounded Job. Now, Job had no, no knowledge of the information that's going to be revealed in the next few verses at the time of his suffering. We're not really clear if he ever fully understood what we're reading here because we really don't know who wrote the book of Job. It could have been Job. It could have been somebody else. We're not sure. Uh, but this information in the Bible came by a direct revelation by God what was going on behind the scenes in the spiritual warfare to whoever wrote the book of Job. So we need to understand some things about the tests that God allows into our lives. Let's look at verse 6. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Now in the Hebrew, the word for Satan is actually a title. It's the Satan. It means the one who opposes that law or the accuser. The other Sunday we talked about Satan, the accuser, how he accuses us. And so we see here that Satan answers to the Lord. His power, his activities are limited by the Lord. God is in control of everything. Satan here is roaming throughout the earth, seeking to stir up trouble and opposing those who follow God. As our story goes on, we see that the Lord values the righteous. He values his servant Job. Verse 8, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. 
And so here we have Job again, commended for being blameless and upright, for fearing God and shunning evil. It's happened in eight verses. The Bible tells us this twice. I think God is trying to make it clear of what Job's character was like. And so the Lord had a high opinion of Job. It's, it's almost as if he was, I don't know if it's the right word, but he's proud of him. He's his son. He's doing the right thing. He's fearing God. He's turning away from evil. And so the Lord asked Satan, what do you think of my servant Job? Not only does the Lord value the righteous, he blesses the righteous. Now Satan answers the Lord. He answers his question with another question. He says, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. And so Satan recognized that the blessing of God was on Job's life. What Satan says here is actually the truth. This is what had happened. God has put a hedge of protection around Job. He protected him from all kinds of calamity. He put a hedge of protection around everything that Job had. God had blessed everything that Job put his hands to, and so his possessions had greatly increased. He was the greatest man in that whole region of the world at the time. But Satan asked the question, does Job, does Job fear God for nothing? In other words, Satan is accusing Job of fearing God so that he would be protected, so that he would have all this blessing. That was the reason Satan was accusing Job. And God, you know why this guy is so good? Because of all the goodies he's getting from you. You see? He's being blessed. He's being protected. Of course he's going to follow you. Of course he's going to obey you. And the Lord then allows Satan to test. Satan goes on to say, But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, everything that Job has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then. Everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And so Satan says, listen, if you stretch out your hand and take away his protection, if you stretch out your hand and strike everything that Job has, removing his protection, removing his blessing, then he's going to curse you. Because the only reason that he loves you, the only reason he's your servant is because of all this blessing in his life. And so the Lord gave permission to Satan to strike all of Job's possessions. But the Lord limited Satan. He said, don't touch the man himself. And so we see that Satan cannot act outside of the boundaries that God has set for him. Satan cannot do one thing to anybody or to anything without God allowing it. God allows Satan to test Job to see if Job's love for God is simply for the blessings he receives or because Job truly loves God for who he is. Now, why does God allow Satan to test Job? First of all, he wants to prove that Job's love for him is real. God had confidence that Job was going to do the right thing, that Job was going to pass the test. Secondly, as we read through the whole book of Job, which is 42 chapters, which we're not going to cover today, we're just looking at chapter 1, so don't get worried. 
But if we look through the whole book of Job, we see that Job's understanding of God, who he is, his power, his sovereignty increases as we go through the book. And it, finally, as we'll see at the end, God wants to bless Job in even a greater way. The Lord's tasks, though, do bring suffering. So what happened? Satan has said, give me permission to attack all that Job has. So what happens next? One day, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And one day, Four messengers came to Job with news of suffering, news of destruction, news of devastation. The first messenger reported an attack of a violent man from the south who took his oxen and donkeys and killed his servants. The second messenger reported the fire of God, most likely lightning strikes from a storm out of the west which ignited a fire which destroyed the sheep and the servants. Next, the Chaldeans came from the north, took all his camels and killed more of his servants. And finally, a violent wind storm from the desert, from the east, struck the house of his children, collapsing it and killing all ten of them. Who was behind all this destruction? Was this just random events? Satan was behind it all. He caused the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans to ruthlessly attack Job's possessions and servants. And so Satan is capable of tempting and enticing evil people to carry out his plans. Next, Satan was able to direct the very course of nature, was he not? He allowed the lightning bolts to come and strike and cause a fire that destroyed Job's sheep and servants. And then he caused another natural disaster. A powerful wind blew in from the desert. So powerful that it hit this house and collapsed the entire house, killing Job's family. And so in one day, all the blessing that had been upon Job's life as a result of his righteous living was removed. His blessing was turned to suffering and grief. Had Job done anything to deserve this? The answer is no, not one thing. So why do bad things happen to good people? Well, here's the answer from the book of Job. God allows attacks of Satan to test the faith of his children. He desires to strengthen their faith and to demonstrate to the world who his children are and why they serve him. For you see, what of the person who follows God when blessings flow, but falls away when persecution or suffering comes? Jesus talked about such people. They prove they are not truly believers because they failed the test. And so when you sense an attack of Satan coming into your life, you need to determine why you are being attacked. First of all, examine your life to see if there's any ongoing sin in your life that you have not repented of. 
If that sin is there, then repent immediately because unrepented sin can definitely give Satan a ground to attack you. But if you have no unrepented sin in your life, you're following God to the best of your ability, then the attack is a test from God. And we're going to see in the next point how to respond to a test from God. Now, if in the face of an attack from Satan, you become angry at God, you become bitter at God, you charge God with wrongdoing, then as we'll see, you sinned, you failed the test. Your response should be to repent of that attitude if that's what you're tempted to do and get back on track with God. So let's see, how did Job respond to Satan's attacks? Well, he worshipped even in the midst of suffering. This tells you Job's character in verse 20. At this, at these four messengers coming in one day, saying that everything he had was gone, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, then he fell to the ground in worship. And so Job had lost everything. Everything that he held dear to himself, especially his family, his ten children. He was filled with grief. He was filled with mourning. And in that culture, that's what they did when they mourned. They tore their head, they, I mean tore their robe and shaved their heads. But what was his response to God? Did he shake his fist at God? Was he angry at God? Why me? I followed you. Did he say any of those things? No, he fell to the ground in worship. He humbled himself. He understood that God was in control. God was good. And somehow, even though he didn't understand, God had a purpose in everything that came into his life. He trusted in the sovereignty of God. Verse 21, Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Now that's a profound statement. That's something to meditate on. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Everything good you have in your life came from God. The Bible tells us that every good gift comes down from the Father above. And what God gives, sometimes He takes away. And yet, Job said, may the name of the Lord be praised. Job trusted in the sovereignty of God. Job trusted in the goodness of God. He understood that nothing was out of God's control. And Job did not charge God with wrongdoing. Verse 22 it says, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. And so what is the temptation when God allows testing in our lives? What is the temptation when God allows Satan to attack us? The temptation is to blame God for what's happened. The temptation is to accuse God. The temptation is to become bitter at God. Did God destroy Job's possessions? Did God kill Job's children? The answer is no. Satan did. But Satan did. Now, it's a hard concept to grasp, but God allowing something to happen is quite different than God causing something to happen. God is sovereign, and yet he uses Satan to test and give people a free will to make a choice how they're going to respond. And when you're attacked by Satan, and we all are from time to time, we mustn't sin by charging God with wrongdoing. 
If you do, you're going to fail the test. You're going to end up in a state far worse. And it grieves my heart that many people do charge with God with wrongdoing. They pray for someone and the person doesn't get better and the person dies. And they get angry at God. And they go away from God. Or somebody in their family, something terrible happens and they blame God and they turn their back on God. Simply worship and trust God and He will help you make it through. Now the book of Job is 42 chapters long. We're just looking at chapter 1. In chapter 2, Satan again requests permission from God to attack Job himself. The first permission was to attack all of Job's possessions. Satan now asks permission to attack Job himself. Satan says, if you allow me to attack him, then surely he's going to renounce you, God. Surely he's going to curse you because you haven't allowed me to touch him. And so Satan, God gave him permission. He said, you can attack Job, but don't kill him. You can't kill him. You can make him very miserable, but you can't kill him. And so Job, Satan struck Job with sores from his feet to the top of his head. And he was in agony. And yet, Job did not sin by cursing God. His wife told him, curse God and die. Uh, just get out of here, you know. Because, of course, back then, if you cursed God, they would stone you, the rest of the, of the people. But he did not sin by cursing God. He did not charge God with wrongdoing. Throughout the book of Job, we see Job's friends saying, this guy must have done something wrong. I mean, look at all the bad things that happened to him. You know, he surely he did wrong things. Job himself questions God to attempt to figure out why he was suffering. He, he didn't understand why. He wasn't accusing God of anything. He just, I don't understand. And in the end, Job worships God for who he is. That he's a good God who loves him. Let's jump to chapter 42, verse 10. Skipping a lot in there. It said, after Job had prayed for his friends who were teaching him nonsense or trying to tell him nonsense, and God said as much. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. And so God blessed Job with ten more children. He gave him even more possessions than he had before, showing that his favor was upon Job and he was pleased with him for passing this severe test. Now, will those who endure Satan's attacks always see God's blessing in this life? And the answer is no, not always in this life, but always in the life to come. There are those today who are facing severe persecution. Under Satan's attack, some are giving their lives as martyrs for the faith because they refuse to deny their faith in Jesus Christ. Even if they're killed, their faith has stood firm. They have passed the test. They have not denied Jesus Christ. And in the life to come, they'll receive their reward, a crown of righteousness. And so whatever you're going through, whatever attack you may be enduring in your life, worship, trust God. He's a good God all the time, and we can depend on Him. Today, 
If you're not sure that you're a believer, I want to give you an opportunity to become a believer. Somebody who trusts God no matter what happens in life. Somebody who follows God no matter what happens. To become a believer, you simply admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. And you repent and turn away from that sin. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You believe that He died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead three days later. And then you commit yourself to following Him as your Savior and Lord. So I'd like to ask you all to bow your heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. You could make Want to recommit your life to the Lord today if you feel like you've wandered away. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I may even have blamed you for bad things that have happened in my life. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven he rose from the dead and he lives today. And I commit myself to following him, the risen Lord, as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you that we as believers are part of the kingdom of God. May we, like Job, fear you and shun evil and shun sin. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for all the blessings that you bring into our lives. We also thank you for the testing that you allow to come to us. Help us to stand firm in our faith, even in the midst of Satan's attacks in various forms. In the suffering that we may go through for our faith, God, we pray that we would seek your strength. We pray that we would seek your presence. We Pray that we would continue to communicate with you. Help us to worship you for who you are and to trust that you're in control, that you're a good God. May we not become bitter. May we not blame you for Satan's attacks. God, I pray that you would encourage everyone today who may be suffering in different areas of their life. Encourage them as they seek to follow you. Help them to know that you're never going to leave them. You're never going to forsake them. You're going to help them make it through the test, pass the test, and continue to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.